0: Welcome to the a64 podcast I'm Mike this is Randall we're your host um, the purpose of this podcast is to excite believers in the upstate about things that are happening um, people that are in the upstate doing incredible things and hopefully encourage you to do some of the same things in your communities um, today we have our guest Pastor Ford Grant um, we're honored to have you on the podcast and we're super excited we um, both have met you and kind of interacted with you at different times, but it's super exciting to have you on. Um, thank you, yeah, thank you, great to be, to be here. To be here so. Yeah,
1: yeah. Your your name comes up every now and again with. Uh, I'm talking to JD and Julia, you and your wife. I know friends of theirs, um, but I don't feel like I know you that well personally. Met you a few times, like Mike said. So um, we'll just start by having you tell us what you do and why you do it, and then maybe like how you came to live in the upstate.
2: Right. Well, originally I'm from here. This okay. is my hometown, Seneca. I was born and raised here in this area. Um, after coming from Greenville, my, my mother and father um, broke up at early in their marriage. I guess I was something like three and a half years old. Mm. And uh, my grandmother took me in, his mother. My father's mother took my sister and I in. And so we began our life here in Seneca at around three and a half years old. Lived here most of my life. Went in the service at 18 during the Vietnam era. Uh, Was in the service for three years. Came back and um, moved to Atlanta for a short stay. And then, um, under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, I knew that I needed to come home and then coming home I knew I was coming to God. So I mm-hmm. came back to Seneca and have been here ever since. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah.
0: Cool. So what what made you feel that um that tug to come back? Um you said it was the Holy Spirit. Was there anything in like like any detail or anything specific
2: that really drew you back? Well, I my story is such it's like so many other people there's something traumatic or horrific happens in your life mm-hmm. and you're at that point where either uh you'll call out to god and receive his grace and help in that time or the enemy will take advantage of your uh, dilemma mm-hmm. your pain mm-hmm. and then he'll bring in some darkness and and um because i grew up in an environment where I didn't see anyone actually be born again or come to the Lord, even though I was in church all the time. It just wasn't in our um, Mm -hmm. cultural experience in the church that I was in that you had an actual born-again type thing happening. Mm -hmm. And um, so I didn't call on the Lord. Mm -hmm. And uh, then through that experience of my heart being broken, how I was being trained and raised up, I began to push all that aside. You know, I had a pretty moral, hmm. godly uh, family, but we weren't a Christian family. Hmm. All right. I, that, I can't go into all of that because it takes too long to explain it. Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't call upon the Lord. And all of the things that I was um, pushing away that friends were inviting me to do as I was coming up in my adolescence, like drugs and alcohol and sex and all those things. I pretty much was a, a, a young uh, virgin kid that lived pretty straight, even though it wasn't a Christian home. Mm. But I was just raised morally to yeah. live that kind of life. Well, when all of this happened and, and, my, and I went through this heartbreak, then I was so crushed that I began to just push all of that aside mm. and begin to try all of the things mm. that I was offered and it introduced me to a dark world that I had no idea I would enter into. Wow. And so the Holy Spirit began to really convict me when I was at uh, Fort Hood, Texas, in the service. That's where I was stationed. Okay. I was at the end of the Vietnam War, so they weren't sending anyone over there at that time. And plus, I'm a junior, you know, um, my father's oldest son. And uh, so they made some type of decree that they were not going to send juniors, you know, only sons Mm -hmm. back into the war. And so they would not let me go anywhere. So I was stationed there at Fort Hood, had some very, very uh, dark experiences with people that I met, got involved in doing drugs on another level than I ever thought I would and my life just began to spiral down. And, um, but something wonderful happened while that was going on. I began to come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And, of course, I didn't understand it because I didn't know how to be born again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I didn't understand any of this. But I knew that God was visiting me because he would visit me even when I was intoxicated. And he would talk to me. And, and that sounds a little strange but it was the language of love. It was the language of, I love you, I have a plan for you, you know, and all of this kind of stuff. And I didn't reject it. I mean, reject it, but I just didn't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I came from Texas back home, uh, still doing the same things, knowing that I was being dealt with. Couldn't talk to anybody about it. Um, and then uh, the, t- the time came that God took advantage. Of the place that he had brought me to, and I was fruit that was ready to be picked. Mm-hmm. And the salvation experience happened. Wow. Changed my life, totally and completely delivered me from alcohol and drugs. Wow. Wow. And the strange thing about it is, it happened on my birthday. The other thing was, I was at home with the same grandmother that raised me because she, by that time, She was alone, so it was good for me to be there. And I'm I'm totally intoxicated on drugs. This is the last little bit of drugs that I had. I had tried to quit, and I thought I'd I'd thrown away everything, so I'm making a Mm -hmm. clean start. You know how you're trying to clean your own act up? Mm -hmm. So I'm under such conviction, I don't know what to do with my life, and I'm trying to fix it. And so there I was. I was sitting at home. I'll tell this short part of it, and then I won't take up all of our time Mm -hmm. in this. But I was sitting at home. I had just bought Bill Withers' album, Ain't No Sunshine When She's Gone. And uh, I loved his singing. And I was listening to that, and he got to a little song, and it was just a segue. It was a segue to the rest of the music. Not a lot of artists do that today, but it went like this. Grandma's hands clapped in church on Sunday morning. Grandma's hands played a tambourine so well. Grandma's hands used to issue out a warning, she'd say. Johnny, don't you run so fast. Might fall on a piece of glass. Might be a snake there in that grass. Grandma's hands. Well, my grandmother had just come out, put the food on the table to celebrate my birthday, turned, walked away, and I'm tripping on these drugs, and I look at her when he said grandma's hands and her hands just supernaturally went down to the floor, it just extended. And when all, I was intoxicated on the drugs the THC and I'm hallucinating on that word, grandma's mm-hmm. hands and her hands just went all the way down to the floor. And just when that happened, the Lord spoke to me clearly and said, not only have you sinned against me, but you've also sinned against the only person that ever loved you. And when he said that, I knew exactly what he meant. It was like a sword pierced my heart. I began, I pushed the plate back. I began to weep and I began to say to him, God, I'm sorry. I didn't know because in that moment I realized that I was his, even though I wasn't born again, Mm -hmm. I knew he was my God and creator. And, when I got through, and he got through with me, I was completely sober. I came out of that high just instantly, and I have been clean for over fifty years. Wow,
1: wow! So, so this was you were back in Seneca at the time. Yes, and back my with your grandma. Mm-hmm. So, like, what what kind of uh, what kind of community did you have around you then? What was the transition like? Because I'm assuming you didn't have
2: a lot of church. The the transition was hard because in the first place, in my other life as a sinful person, my friends were all away from me, so I didn't have them Mm -hmm. to go to, Mm. to talk to. I didn't have any friends in the community because I'd been in the service, I'd come back, I didn't know people, and everyone that I had were my friends. They were either in the service, a couple of them were in the Navy, The other guy was still living in Atlanta. So I didn't really have anybody. I was alone in this brand new experience, and I didn't know what to do. I Mm. thought, well, go back to church. Mm -hmm. So I went back to church, and I found out the church wasn't what I thought it was supposed to be, which meant, see, the church that I was reared in, uh, they didn't really preach the gospel. Mm. during the time that I was coming up, you had a lot of civil rights stuff going on. Mm-hmm. So you pretty much preached out of the newspaper and the different things that were happening and was all about justice, like so many young people are called up wow. in justice today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, But I didn't hear the gospel. So I didn't know John three sixteen. Mm. I knew God was God, and I knew Jesus was his son, and I knew about Christmas and Easter. But I didn't really know the depth of the revelation in him dying mm-hmm. at Calvary for my sin. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And it was never taught in the church um, with the anointing and conviction that could cause a person to be born again. I never saw anyone born again in that church. Mm, wow. So when I went back being born again, I realized I can't stay here. This is not the right place. And so I just for a season stayed home, read my Bible and prayed and asked God to leave me until I can mm-hmm. find like, a fellowship mm. yeah
0: mm. well wow. that's the that, that's there's so much good stuff and like everything you've been saying so far i like i I really like the the concept you brought up of even well first off the the being morally like good mm-hmm. versus being born again yeah. and then also the the getting caught up in like the justice side or the even the the newspaper side of things versus the biblical side of things. I think both of those are so applicable to anyone that's listening to this. And it's like, yeah, that, uh, the fact that you, like you were raised a way that was like, you were taught to do the good things, Mm -hmm. but like you didn't have that relationship with God that you would actually want to call out to him. And like, you would not want, want to be with him necessarily, but you wanted to do good. And, and then when you're, it seems like you're, the experience you went through like actually longed for that more of that relationship side and like wanting to be with God. Right. Um, And yeah, I I think that's, that's really, that's a encouraging, but also convicting because it's like, can we, can we go through life and not just do the things that are morally right and actually kind of miss out on the whole salvation aspect of what God wants to do. Right. Um, And I, I think that's a, yeah
2: and that era that i was raised in people considered themselves to be christian just because they were american mm, and so yeah. they had an obligation to go to church and that's what we did i never missed church i was ch- at church every time the doors open yeah but i just never had yeah. the gospel given to me in a way that i could actually be convicted to be born again yeah which is sad
1: well and and that's also like i th- There's a lot of those stories out there, and I think that's a good warning for the church. It's not just about having people show up if you're not actually Mm -hmm. uh, preaching the word. If you're not actually rooted in substance, then it's kind of just a vain practice. Right. So, um, at this point, you're mid-20s, somewhere like that, and then uh, were you able to find a group of believers, or how did... uh, Well... As it was,
2: progressed. it was, a it was, um, a, um, I don't know how to describe the journey that I actually took. Um, because I didn't know anyone that was born again at this time before I even found the church, I didn't say I was born again because mm, I didn't right. know the terminology. Mm-hmm. I didn't know all the Christianese or anything. Right. And, um, the passage of scripture that stood out to me when I was praying before this happened for God to change my life was how that a righteous man is content. And I didn't have any contentment. Mm-hmm. I wanted everything and I had nothing. Mm-hmm. And so I said, Lord, make me that person, a content person. That's what I didn't know to pray for salvation. And so, um, I got a job after a little bit and, um, after I came back home mm-hmm. I finally got a, got a job that's another story but uh, i met a person on the job and this person approached me to actually witness to me and uh they asked me if i was saved and i said uh, i don't really know what that means but i've given my life to god <laughs> you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like that and then uh, the lady took me to Romans 10, 9 and 10, and showed me the whole thing. And I said, well, I, that's what I did. That's what I did, yeah. you know. And then uh, it just so happens that they were in the process of having some Bible studies at their home. And so that's the first fellowship that I became a okay. part of. Yeah. And then after that ended, um, my, I was married by the second time around.
1: Okay.
2: I was 22 when I got saved, 24 when I got married. Okay. All right. So after we were married, after I got married, I was at that church, at that fellowship when I met my wife, and uh, but then when we came to the end of that, we prayed and sought God about where we needed to be, and He led us to a church in Anderson, hmm. and uh, had a great experience at that that fellowship. Yeah. Grew a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Cool. So, like, at what point? Um at what point then did you realize that you're called to be a pastor?
2: Well, um, a lot happened before I really um, accepted that. Because you know, mm-hmm. you can. It's kind of like you can you can kind of know with a small, still voice. Mm-hmm. You kind of have an idea that one day you may do this. And i be honest with you, I was happy as long as it was small and still. <laughs> yep. And, um, but, uh, transition again from that church in Anderson, which was a great church transition. Um, God put us out. My wife and I by this time began to, to, to send us out on the road to minister as itinerant ministers. Mm-hmm. And I had been, um, I had Jean and I. My wife' name is Dolly Jean. Jean and I were the music uh, directors for Full Gospel Businessmen Fellowship International in Anderson. They had a chapter there, and uh, it was the only chapter for many miles in the southeast. And so, what would happen is that we'd have special speakers to come in, Christian businessmen, and would talk about how God had changed their life and then given them. Christian concepts they used to use to order their business and how successful they were. And so we had ministers and businessmen, Christian ministers, uh, Christian businessmen that would come to those meetings. And what we did was just the praise and worship so that everybody could worship and then it would go right into the meeting. Mm-hmm. So that's all we did. And we fellowship with the people afterward. Well, it turns out that there were ministers that were coming from as far up as Virginia all the way down to Florida, minister, pastors. Mm -hmm. And this would happen about every two weeks um, for us. um, Those meetings, I don't remember how often we actually had them, but we started getting invitations to come and minister in churches. And so we took the invitation, and my wife and I would go and share our testimony. I'd do a little ministry in Word, and we'd do our music. Mm -hmm. That's what they wanted. And uh, I didn't know what was happening. But see, this is in, oh, my wife and I were married in 1976. So this was probably like 79-ish, 80-something in there, 81. And um, evangelical churches and and some of the Pentecostal churches were not integrated Mm -hmm. on a whole. So... We didn't realize it, but these pastors were hungry to mix things up in the mm. churches, and so they were inviting us to break the ice. Wow! And I found this out way after we'd been involved. Yeah. I was just excited to share Jesus. <laughs> yeah. I didn't care about any of that wow. because... Yeah. Um, and I tell people this, and I don't think I'm always understood, especially among my, my black friends in the black culture. But when I was born again... I received my salvation, took on this phenomenon of being set free not just from sin, but also being set free from my culture. Hmm. I was literally liberated from everything black. Hmm. And I was, I never had a problem with racism because, again, I was raised in a morally good home. And, mm-hmm. and we never heard anything racist. As a matter of fact, we were, we were taught, don't you ever call anybody a name or look down at anyone. You judge everybody by their character. And I heard mm-hmm. that from my grandmother before I heard it from Martin Luther King, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know. And so, but when I was born again, I think that whole thing of my grandmother being the person that primarily raised me, prepared me to be set free at a deeper level in my cultural experience so that I could be totally and completely free to reach anyone Hmm. without any inhibition Hmm. whatsoever. And that's, that's where I am. Mm -hmm. And most of those churches, like I said, that we were invited to, they were all white congregations. We were, we never went to a, we never were invited to a black church. We were always invited to white congregations and, um, it was a beautiful experience. We had people to get up and walk out because they didn't know that black people were going to be ministering that day. Oh, wow. Well. You know, so, but it never really did anything to us in a negative way. We just knew how what life was like, and this is what we do. Wow. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what happened, mm-hmm. you know. And then uh, while that's going on, one of the ministers that came to the full gospel businessmen meeting uh, enjoyed my music, and invited me to a basement Bible study where he was starting a church. And uh, later on, the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to go and help Danny with that church. And it's because he had a lot of young Christians. He didn't have anybody to to back him up. He was taking it on him and his wife themselves. So I said, yes, Lord, that'll be fine. So I went to the church, and my wife and I just worked our way in and became a part of the church and ministered there helped him out as much as we could. And then one day I was working down in Townville area. I went to lunch. I'm sitting there in my car getting ready to eat my lunch out at the lake there mm-hmm. in Townville um, by Weineker's Restaurant. And it was as if the Lord just sat down in the car beside me and began to talk to me. And it was such an overwhelming experience. I couldn't eat. I couldn't do anything. I just wept. It was just silence. Oh. And the Lord, I knew he was, the presence of the Lord was there. And the Lord spoke to me and said, would you be willing to take this church? See, we had got so excited about going out ministering in all these places. Yeah. We had just done an, our first album, Power and Praise, for a wax album back in that day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we were so excited, we were going to sell the home, get a Winnebago, and hit the road. And we didn't <laughs> know what we were doing. We were just young, yeah. excited, and wanted to share Jesus. And the Lord spoke to me, and when he said that, I knew he was saying, drop the plans for this, go take this church and be a pastor. Wow. And I said, okay, Lord, but I can't tell him that you want me to take his church. <laughs> you know, yeah. I said, you tell him and let him call me and ask me, mm-hmm. and I'm fine with it. And so I'm walking down the uh, hallway in my home out of the dining room toward the bedroom, and I have a landline phone on the wall there. And the phone rang, and the Lord spoke to me and said, just like the phone is ringing now, Danny is going to call you, and he's going to ask you to take the church. I said, okay, God. Then I answered the phone and gave it to my wife because it was for her. One year later, I'm walking down the same path in the house. Phone rings. I pick it up, and actually God said, that's him, that's Danny. He just said it like that, that's Danny. I said, okay, Lord. I pick up the phone. He says, hey, forward. What do you think about taking this church? (laughs) Just like just like that. You know, not a hello, how you doing or nothing. And I say, Well, we need to talk about it. And so we went down, talked to them about that. So that was really my introduction into pastoring. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, that whole situation I won't go into, but that was my introduction into becoming a pastor. Wow. And then one thing led to another, and now we're here. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The um, the first time I remember hearing your name, I was probably, I don't know, I remember I was young enough. Our youth group started at 15 or 16. Uh, what what was the name of the church you used to pastor out on uh, 123 there?
2: Up near Westminster. Yes. Yeah. Straight Paths. Straight
1: church. path. Because I, I just remember our church did a couple activities with that youth group. Right. Um, and so... Was that like much later than when you ended up at that church? Yes, it
2: was. Yes, Uh, because after we uh, left the church, uh, the worship church there at Anderson, we began to go on another journey. And that journey was like Abraham moving toward a city that God has built, and you don't know where it's at. I mean, we just... uh, We knew that we were supposed to continue to pastor. We didn't know where. Mm -hmm. And so we uh, met for a season in a little restaurant down in Aniston called Mama Penn's. Some people love that little restaurant. We met there because one of the ladies that went to that church, husband ran the place and they let us use their banqueting Mm. hall and we set up church there. And then uh, the Lord said for us to come back to Seneca. And then when we came back to Seneca, we were praying and we were fellowshipping with different churches from Greenville um, over to to this area, Ted Edgar's ministry over at Full Gospel Temple. Um, We did several things while we were waiting to to see where we were supposed to be planted, you know. Mm -hmm. And so um, one Sunday morning, we were sitting in the living room and had prepared to go to church, all dressed up and everything. And. Got up to go, and the Lord spoke to my wife and said, uh, "Where are you going?" And she said, "Lord, we're we going to church." And he said, "I told you to start the church." So wow. we just sat down right in the living room and had our first service right there. You know, so I preached to her, and then God began to uh, bring people to us, just little by little. You know, it's just one guy. Uh, Was actually on crack cocaine, and he didn't know what in the world to do, because he actually didn't pray to get saved. He he prayed to God to to get him off of the crack cocaine, Mm. and he came up saved, born again. You know, Mm -hmm. he just got totally delivered. And um, I was doing an article in the local paper. And uh, he read my article and he said, let me ask this guy maybe he can tell me something about it you know? wow. And so he came and then he got married and his wife was there and she was a trustee and and just God just began to bring people
0: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, then uh, we were blessed to uh, to go down on Main Street and uh, have a building down there <clears throat> and then the Lord put it on my heart that Instead of paying all this money over the years for a lease, why not have your own place? And then we began to look. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We began to look. And, and, you know, there's lots of things in there that I could say, but it would probably be too long of a story. But we began to look, and God worked it out and brought us to that property. And then he just supernaturally worked things out. We didn't have any money. Mm-hmm. He supernaturally worked things out wow. and, um, and developed, you know, that building. We used about half of it. It was 20,500 square feet. It's a pretty mm-hmm. big building. So our, our ministry developed it as much as we could at the time with the people we had so that we could have service in half of the building, you know, and yeah. do what we needed mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's how we got there.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, you've also been involved some in the prison ministry or True. the
2: county jail. I'm not sure. Yeah. Prison ministry right now, the county uh, jail, O'Coney Law Enforcement Center. That's, a, that's that was, uh, I had no clue that I would ever do that mm-hmm. because I was a shy person. Now, a lot of people don't want to believe that, but I was an <laughs> introvert. I really was. Uh. I was an introvert and very shy. I, there was a time I wouldn't wear shorts, period. My wife had to help me realize, honey, your legs don't look that bad. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm okay, you know, I'm jogging all that stuff in shorts and stuff. But, you know, I, I was inwardly... Quiet and um, but the Lord just changed my life. And um, I had a, a friend at one of the churches that we visited that wanted me to go and speak to her uh, soon to be husband that was in jail up at Oconee wow. Law Enforcement yeah. Center and uh, just to share my testimony with him. And I had witnessed to him on the street because after I got saved, before I got into all this other stuff, before I met my wife. The Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to go on the street and tell people about me. I didn't learn that in church. I didn't I didn't wow. get it from anybody. He just told me to do it. I was so convicted, I sat down and I drew a map of the city. I mean, I drew a map in the streets and everything. said, I'm going to do this. I'm going down here and I'm going to do that. And then I got a hold of the late great planet Earth. If you ever heard about that book, it's, it's, it's a book. Wow that was written uh, by Hal Lindsey and it was all it was prophetic about what was going to happen in the last days before Jesus comes back and then it went into the tribulation. Yeah. Well, you give a book like that to a brand new Christian. He thinks it's going to happen next week. <laughs> 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 and so I got so excited. I was I was sharing everything out of that book. That's how I witnessed. I told him what was going to happen during the tribulation. I said you need to get saved now. You don't want to go through that. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. And I scared a lot of people. Wow. I turned a lot of people off because they had never heard anything like that. Wow. You know, But anyway, um, the Lord said, okay, now I want you to go on a fast. You want me to go on a 40-day fast? Never mm-hmm. done that. Wow. And he showed me how to do it. You start by you drop off meats, you drop off vegetables, you drop off this, you drop off that until you get down to water. And, and and you finished the fast up with drinking anything but water. And so there I go. Boy, I look like you should have saw me. I, I look awful. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I just look like I was dying. But anyway, um, I had witnessed to this guy uptown at a bar. Oh wow. The same guy. And so I went to uh, witness to him in jail. And he had another partner, a friend of his that was there, had been in jail for a while. And while I'm talking to them, this huge, this big guy, was a white guy, big guy, was listening. I didn't know he was listening, but he was listening. And he went to whoever was running the facility and said, I really like this guy. Could you wow. ask him to come back? That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And so... Um, I got the call, you know, from the jail, and they yeah. said, you know, I've got some some guys up here that would like for you to come back up and talk to them. Wow. So I said, sure. So I went back, and it opened up a whole brand-new ministry. And wow. the Lord took us to every uh, maximum security prison in the state over a, a, wow. a few years. And, uh, and the one in Seneca, it seems like that – In Walhalla, I mean. The one in Walhalla, it seems like he just kept that one there Mm -hmm. because so many other things happened in our experience, but I was always able to go back there. And so I've been going to that prison for I can't tell you how long. It was before my wife and I got married in 76. Wow. I've been going there. And uh, it's a great ministry. It's a great place to sow the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just to interrupt people's lives because they're going through some hard yeah. stuff.
0: Yeah. 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 I yeah. So, yeah. I've been loving hearing like yeah, all your story and it it feels like we're just kind of walking through this timeline of yeah. Like what you what you've been doing and um how God has led you through different things and mm-hmm. um I guess I guess tell us more like now about what you're doing now, like what what your life looks like now, like what your week-to-week looks like now and like what you're involved in at this point. Okay.
2: Well, I found out when I was going to school to Tri-County Technical College, and I went to Tri-County Technical College a couple of times, one time for radio and TV broadcasting and uh, business, and then the next time I went strictly for business. And then I went into retail and became a divisional manager, salesman, and buyer, all under one hat, you know, kind of a supervisor over a couple of departments. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed That's what I went to school for. Mm-hmm. And that was supernatural because I wasn't able to finish school, but God gave me the job anyway. Wow. You know, God just worked it out because the manager of the business was a trustee at the school. Oh, wow. I applied for the job. He pulled my records. And said you're capable of doing the job. I just need to go talk to my bosses because you don't have a degree, mm-hmm. and they gave me the job. And wow. so, I, 26 and a half years later, here I am. You know, I, I retired from that work, but um, I learned when I was in school, and I, I, I didn't know it before then. But I learned that I could write. My, my one of the, um, uh, I guess you could call him a professor, or, you know, whoever led the class, uh, s- told me that I had. A certain type of force in my writing. And I'm like, really? (laughs) You know? Uh And, but then I discovered it because one of the classes, in order to pass, you had to sit there, make up a story in 45 minutes with at least 500 words. Wow. I'm like, what? (laughs) And it turned out to be a good story. Yeah. You know? And I was like, wow, I did that. You know? And then, um, you know one thing led to another and while i was in school i got uh, on the school newspaper so i had my own little mm-hmm. corner that and uh so i could write about things that way and uh but i didn't know that i would end up becoming an author so uh i had been writing songs for music but i didn't know that i would become an author and so anyway uh most of my time now that i spend is with prison ministry i do a home fellowship where I have some families come, and and they they meet with us a couple of times a week, Sunday morning, Wednesday evening, and uh, we have it's all it's really regular church, mm-hmm. but it's it's home fellowship church, and um, so I spend a lot of my time still with my music. We released an album last June, a new one, and we're working on another one now, and. Uh, I'm in the process of writing two books oh, wow. at one time, wow. <laughs> here, which is crazy. I've never done that. But and the Lord just showed me what I needed to do, and so I'm going from one to the other. And then he said, I want you to do another one. So I got another one out there that I haven't even started on yet. So this thing is just really ramped up. So a lot of my time is spent with the home fellowship, with prison ministry, with writing, and with the music. And then, uh, actually, when we uh, went began to go through the transition for our ministry back in around 2017ish, uh, I realized that we needed to pass the church on to somebody else mm. and go into this transition. And I didn't know what we were going to do. I just know I just knew that we need to do that. And so, anyway. The Lord showed us you need to sell the ministry. You need to not sell the ministry, but you need to sell the property. And and I said, Lord, let it at least be a business that can bring in jobs, if not another church. And it turns out that the pastor up there at Calvary that, that uh, we, we uh, turned the property over to, that uh, th- that young man had been driving by the ministry and feeling like God was saying that he wanted him to be there. That's where he wanted him to move his ministry there from up in the... His Mountain Rest area? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And um, so eventually he hooked up with me, and, and everything went well, and their church loved it, and so we made the transition. So I got away in 2019 and just went down to Clemson, got a hotel room, and stayed there for about two and a half, three days. And I just prayed the whole time. I didn't eat or anything. I stayed in the room, and I said, God, I got to know what to do. What am I going to do? Because it's hard to step out of something that you love and you don't know what you're going to do. And it could be different. So I got one word at um, the midway point of the third day, and it was like a media. And when I heard that, I knew what it meant, that he wanted me to get in the media. And so I said, okay, call home. I said, honey, fix breakfast. I'm coming home. (laughs) I got the word. So I came home and and I went on this journey to find the right people to do our media for us. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, I had someone to do it. They, I was in New York on a Christmas vacation with the wife in 2019, and got a call and they said they couldn't do it. They changed their mind. They weren't going to do videos anymore. So I said okay. So I came home and I just went on the search and God brought us the people that we're using now, and so we've got you know 44 videos on instagram youtube facebook mm-hmm. and the lord just blessed that and opened up different venues for us totally and completely debt-free wow. yeah you know, one guy's got a television station and uh outreach you know he's a genius in computers mm-hmm. and stuff and he has his own television thing that he does and so I'm airing there, and then I go out on the other thing, which is like Fire TV, mm-hmm. and then, um, you know, with YouTube, with Instagram, with Facebook, about four radio stations, um, and then we just planted a radio station in Kenya, wow. just this last week. Okay. So wow. I'll be I'll be over there speaking to my people amen i'll be speaking to you know and i think it bleeds over in one or two other countries and they're talking about doing another one so Mm -hmm. but all of this came about because i was my wife and i were obedient and god did it in a manner where it's all paid for there's no debt there's i don't i mean you know we make requests for people to help us if they like but God helps us yeah. to do what we do He yeah. takes care of it so I,
1: I think the the one thing that I've just uh really been hearing over and over is the um the weight that you've placed on hearing from God and the mm-hmm. priority mm-hmm. that oh, you've yeah. placed on seeking that out because I think that's something that a lot of Christians want um but we live in such a distracted age I mean mm-hmm. I know I know I'm distracted a lot and Uh, just don't put in the effort that it takes or create the space for God to speak. Right, Um, And so I think that's definitely one thing that that I will take Mm -hmm. from this. uh,
2: And I can't take any credit whatsoever for any of it. I think the beautiful thing is, like we have this treasure in earthen vessels, Mm -hmm. so God invades us with something that he wants to do. Mm -hmm. in life Mm -hmm. and and to help him in the ministry and if we agree of course he's going to equip us to do it it still Mm -hmm. hasn't Mm -hmm. i yield and i lean into what he's saying Mm -hmm. and the holy spirit equips me to do what i do otherwise i couldn't do it i I would probably not even want to do it
1: yeah Uh, and i i think we definitely overcomplicate that
2: process yes
1: yeah
2: I and mean, when I don't really see ministers, evangelists, or, or whoever, prophets, as being special people. Mm-hmm. We're ordinary people, just like everybody else. We have the same challenges. I think our spiritual warfare can go to another level because we have a greater responsibility. Mm-hmm. But we should never judge anyone if they fall or if they stumble because we don't know. We're not walking in their shoes. Mm-hmm. And we don't know the kinds of things that the enemy is bringing against them. To hinder them from completing what God wants them in their destiny. Mm. You know, I have failed many times, but the one thing that has never failed is that God has never, ever walked away from me. Mm-hmm. He's always been there to say, Come on, we can get through this. Get up, let's go. I've never been rejected by God, no matter what mm-hmm. I've experienced, and that's the kind of grace that I'd like to extend to others and help them to see. Don't give up because of the things you've gone through. It's bigger than you. Mm-hmm. It's the enemy behind us, behind the scenes that realize that you've got something great in God that you need to accomplish, and he wants to stop you from accomplishing mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. So be encouraged and know that it's not all just you. It's the battle you're in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Wow.
0: Yeah, I think the thing that the thing that I'm gonna take away, we're nearing the end here, but um wanted to the blip about just um over and over I just hear that you're you also trust God's timing for things. Absolutely. Like you you don't you don't lean on what you think is the right time or what you think is like you should lead in this go go in this direction. You're very much dependent on if God is calling you to it, it's in his timing and he right. knows what's best. Mm-hmm. And I I think that's a great place to be because his timing is ultimately what is best. And so I think if we lean into that instead of trusting what we think is best. And that's a um, daily
2: commitment because mm-hmm. it's not easy for me to be where I am right now. Yeah, I love a congregation. Yeah, I love the people of God. I love ministering to the people of God. I love worshiping with the people of God. But this is all just turn around, and it's totally different now. But it's where I'm supposed to be presently until he reveals the other thing, where we're supposed to be or if we're supposed to plant or if Mm -hmm. we're supposed to do whatever, that I just have to be content, trust God, and just know that he's got it.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, we usually wrap up with the same question for everybody, and um, you can go in any direction you'd like to, but... What is one thing the world needs more of and why?
2: One thing the the world needs more of and why. Well, it's, that, it's like, I mean, it's a great question, and I don't think any of us really know the precise answer to that mm-hmm. because it, it can be one thing that I see, that really is centered in on what God has ordained for my life and what I'm supposed to be involved in actively to bring change. Mm -hmm. You could be in another lane. So that's the thing that you're going to see. Mm -hmm. And naturally, Mm -hmm. that's what you're going to say. That's going to be the answer to the question for you. So I think it's it's almost like a multiple-choice question, but all of the choices are right. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and so I can speak about a lot of things when it comes down to that. Uh, but the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God under salvation, Romans mm-hmm. 1.16. And the power of God is the only thing that can change our world, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that's motivated by love. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him shouldn't perish, but have everlasting life. And and very few people quote verse 17, which is so important. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn it, but that the world through him might be saved. Mm-hmm. So the power of the gospel is the answer. But you know what? A lot of people pe- preach a political gospel, and by I'm not talking about politics. Mm-hmm. I think we're controlled too much by church politics, denominationalism, Mm -hmm. and it keeps us from loving like Jesus did, Mm -hmm. really putting ourselves out there for all of God's creation. Mm. And I say this often. Ministry, if you're called into ministry, you can't be very much good to the people until you're first delivered from the people. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I don't know if that really answers your question or not. But I believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the true mm-hmm. yeah. answer yeah. to yeah. the needs we have in the world today.
1: And and that's that kind of goes right along with that question because you do everybody who's here gives a, a slightly different answer and you can tell that it's kinda tuned to what they're passionate about. Mm-hmm. And that's that's why we ask it and, and it always leads to good answers and I really like what you said there. Um, And just, yeah, if we're going to be so affected by our culture, we're going to be drawn away from the power of God in our lives. Um, So the two are at war with each other. But, yeah, Hmm. thank you very much for coming on. Um, My pleasure. We appreciate it, and I look forward to talking to you again in the future. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thanks thank so, so much. much. I,
0: yeah, I really enjoyed the conversation. I loved hearing about your um, your story to becoming a born-again believer all the way to pastoring, all, all that history. It was, it was fascinating and yet very encouraging as well. So Praise um, God. thank you so much for coming. Praise the Lord. All right. That's a wrap, Alex. Like and subscribe.